0: Hi, everybody. It's Mark. Happy Mother's Day. I didn't think of a great Mother's Day story or joke. You'll probably be thankful, right? But it's uh, May 10th, and I'm happy to bring a message to you from the Scriptures. I'm going to talk to you about how the blessing is in the doing from John 13, 17. The blessing is in the doing. We find this in John chapter 13, the words of Jesus. They're later repeated in the New Testament by his half-brother, James. We're going to look at those scriptures. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us to apply the scriptures to our lives, and whatever about we know, that we would apply it, and that we would learn how to apply it. In Jesus' name today, amen. Uh, You know, they say that it really doesn't matter how much scripture you know, it matters how much you obey. That you could only know that the Bible says where Jesus in Matthew 22, where he says, "'You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, "'mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself.'" And you can just know that one thing and yet be more obedient as a believer than someone who has memorized the entire New Testament and yet doesn't apply it to their life. So today, in a very practical um, thrust, we're going to look at Jesus and how he applied his foot washing to his disciples and to us today. So let me read to you just a few verses in John chapter 13, starting in verse 12. And what had just happened in John 13, 1 through 11, is that Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. And we talked about that last time. So in verse 12, it says when Jesus had washed their feet, talking about his disciples, including Judas, who would betray him, and Peter, who was like, oh no, don't wash my feet. And then Jesus like, I got to, I'm serving you. Then he's like, then wash my head and my hands too. And Jesus is like, no, just your feet. We only need to do your feet. Um, so Jesus had washed all of his disciples' feet, and then he put on his outer garments and resumed his place, and he said to them, words of Jesus, okay, do you understand what I have done to you? What do you think? Do you think they understood? I don't think so. I don't think they truly understood until after the death of Christ, which would be just hours later, and not even then on you know Good Friday and, and Silent Saturday, as we call it when he was in the grave, and even on the resurrection, they didn't believe the women right away. Um, Thomas didn't believe the disciples after they came back and said, our Lord's risen. In fact, Jesus taught for days and days his disciples. He opened up the the scriptures to them, and he did it with the disciples on the road to Emmaus at the end of Luke. I think it's Luke chapter 24. He did it later, and, and they the disciples on the road to Emmaus, their hearts burned within them as he opened up Moses and all the other scriptures and explained it to them. I think it took until they really received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, which on our calendar this year in 2020, Pentecost is going to be, I'm looking at a calendar, it's going to be on Sunday, May 31st, I think. And Pentecost was 50 days after Easter, or the resurrection. And that was when the disciples received the Holy Spirit. So we don't fully understand things as human beings until we have the Holy Spirit, until we're Spirit-filled, until we realize God's economy works different than our economy. It's, it's, uh, it's perceived supernaturally. Let me uh, give you a scripture, this is like right off, uh, this is impromptu right here, I didn't even plan this, but let me give you an excellent scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, no, chapter 2, uh, 1 Corinthians two, fourteen. it says the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him or her, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Now that's something powerful that you can confess over your life, over your mind, your heart, your life, that I have the mind of Christ. And how do we get the mind of Christ? We get the mind of Christ by being in the scriptures. God has spoken in these words, these inspired words that he spoke to Moses, that he spoke to David in the Psalms, that he spoke to James and and Peter and all these different things. And some of them weren't spoken. Some of them were actually uh, the natural words of the apostles that the Holy Spirit inspired and uses to encourage the church still today. So I digress a little bit, but this whole idea, do you understand? Well. We get the mind of Jesus in the scriptures, through the Spirit, through prayer, through looking at the example, the experience of Christians down through the ages. And what we understand is that foot washing wasn't a literal ordinance or sacrament, because there are Christians who, they'll baptize, and they will do communion, and they'll do foot washing. And that's a cool thing, but it's real interesting because John Wesley, when he talks about foot washing, he says this. In his notes on the New Testament, John Wesley said this when it says, uh, Ye ought also to wash one another's feet. Wesley comments, he says, And why did they not? Uh, Why do we not read of any one apostle ever washing the feet of another apostle? Because they understood the Lord better. They knew he never designed that this should be taken literally. He designed to teach them the great lesson of humble love, as well as to confer inward purity upon them. And hereby the Lord teaches us, one, in every possible way to assist one another in attaining to purity, and two, to wash each other's feet by performing all sorts of good offices to each other. In other words, good good services. I like that English from uh, the time... Of our Revolutionary War. Even those offices of the lowest kind, when opportunity serves, and the necessity of any calls for them. So the whole point is that we serve one another. The thing that needed to happen with those first disciples was they needed their feet washed. And it would essentially be the equivalent of of cleaning up after somebody's dog, or washing a toilet, or, you know, just doing kind of the most menial of tasks the most menial of tasks. And I think about who in our society does the most menial of tasks, and yet we esteem them highly. It would be nurses and doctors who have to deal with people's bodies, you know, in in the, you know, forgive me, the sweatiest of places, or the, you know, in people's illness, they're taking care of their throat, ears and nose, things like that. We'll use use your own imagination. but they take care of people, and yet they're on the front lines. And so that's a perfect example. And it was the heart of Jesus as, as a, you know, the, the great physician that there's other people who follow in that line of service. There's people who shine shoes and take care of other people. There's no vocation, no calling, no service, no way to make money unless you're maybe selling drugs, which is an exploitation of people, or exploiting people directly through human trafficking. Those things are clearly off the table for a Christian, but sometimes people feel like uh, if they're working for a roofer and they're just the basic person that tears roofs off, or works for the city and has to mow you know, the, the side of the road, or people that do those entry-level tasks, people feel like, well, I'm not important because of whatever. No, no, that's not it. Work. Uh, has a certain dignity to it. And when Adam and Eve was created, they were created to work. And what work does for the human being is, it, the, is it, it is, if I can spit this out like Elmer Fudd, work is the means by which we serve other people and have our own needs met. Think about that. Think about how there's a circle of service that I serve somebody else, And generally, because I get good at that, the specialization of labor... You know, we hope we get good at different things, whether it's mowing a yard, doing dishes, doing home health care. We get good at that, and we then get an income, and we can continue to serve other people. And And it's an ongoing circle of resources and time and all that stuff. So a little bit of a tangent, but let me apply this. Jesus says in John 13, 13, You call me teacher and Lord? And you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. And that's where Wesley says, uh, throughout church history, we don't have any record of the apostles actually washing one another's feet. But you know what they did do? They They laid their lives down for one another. They gave sacrificially to one another. They began gathering money to help churches that were in famine in Jerusalem. Uh, Church history teaches us that they began pooling their money to purchase slaves out of slavery to buy their redemption price so that they could be free people. They began going to the places where mothers and fathers would abandon their children, and that was called... uh, what was that called it was infanticide okay the baby was born they didn't want it it would die from exposure exposure was the word i'm looking for and they would take those children as their own essentially their foster kids or their adopted children and this is how the church down through the centuries by standing up for women and children and the elderly and the handicapped and standing against abortion and helping uh, the stranger and the alien and the refugee and the poor and the hungry, and the naked, and you know, visiting the prisoners, and doing all the compassionate ministries that the church has always been called to do, and will always be called to do, the church has washed the feet of one another, and the church has washed the feet of the world also, proving that we're the body of Christ, that we are the eyes of Christ looking at injustice, we are the hands of Christ, binding up the wounds of those who are hurting around us, right? Isn't that good stuff? So Jesus goes on back here at the, uh, the foot washing. F- verse 15 of John 13, For I have given you an example. Now at home, say example. Example. Remember we got those like in geometry. You get a, an example of a, maybe a, a certain kind of triangle or something or a trapezoid and so that you would understand it. You would see it. You would duplicate it. And then you understood it, and then the whole point was that you would you would have that knowledge to apply as you got better at whether it's geometry or uh, trigonometry. Which you know what trigonometry is? It's uh, it's firearms. Okay, it's trigonometry. Um, Jesus says, "I've given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you." A servant is not greater than his master, meaning that you and I were not greater than Jesus. And if he was willing to wash feet, then we shouldn't feel bad if we don't land that promotion, but have to keep working a few more years in whatever position. Or if somebody doesn't respect us for whatever gift we have, as well as we might think we should be respected, we should have a humble spirit. Uh, Nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So let me zero in. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So it's one thing to know the whole Bible, but if you never do it, then you're not blessed. You're not going to grow. You're not going to be mature. You're not going to operate in the fruit of the Spirit. You're not going to have confidence. You're not going to have joy. I oftentimes tell people, Show me a Christian who is persevering and overcoming, and I will show you a Christian who reads their Bible. And it could be, you know, an actual Bible like this, or a smartphone, or on the computer, or listening to it, or watching a DVD where the words are there in their audio Bible. It doesn't really matter. But there's no other way to be a Christian than your own personal time in the Word, which is augmented. You know, which is kind of coached with uh, with a pastor, with online teaching, uh, things like that. And in-person teaching, you know, but we're doing it online here. So the half-brother of Jesus, James, says this in his letter to the general church. James 1, 22 through 25. He says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So if we hear it and know it, but don't actually do it, the Bible says we're deceiving ourselves, which is funny because if I steal from you, you know you've been wronged. And if I slap you, you know you've been slapped and I'll slap your heart. It'll, I'll leave a red mark, okay? But if I lie to you, you don't know it. We believe different lies, okay? We, we all do. We're being liberated from lies by knowing the truth. Jesus said the truth sets us free. But think about that dynamic. If you're wrong, you know it. But if somebody lies to you, the world, the flesh, and the devil lie to us, and sometimes we don't know it. And if we only hear the word but don't do it, we deceive ourselves, thereby not even realizing that we're out of touch with reality. We're out of sync with God. We're out of sync with ourselves. Make sense? Uh, If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets But a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Sorry, I'm having trouble getting that out. But you know we're keeping it real down here at Fortuna Church in the Nazarene. You will be blessed in your doing. How did James know that? Well, he probably heard it from his half-brother himself. And if he didn't hear it from his half-brother himself, then surely, because he spent so much time with uh, you know, his brother Jude, Mother Mary, with the apostles, and he became an apostle himself, but he wasn't one of the 12. But he did become the leader of the Jerusalem church, which is our home church 2,000 years ago. And we are people who, we take what we know, and we apply it to our life. One final thought from Peter. 1 Peter, that's First Peter 2, 21. This shows us that later, Peter did understand. He didn't get it that night of uh, the Passover celebration that, that uh, before Good Friday when Jesus died, but he got it. He laid down his life, and you might not get it right now, but don't condemn yourself. You're growing. You might not have uh, determined how your beginning would be, but you get to write the end to your story, and... Peter did for his own life too. He said in second, I'm sorry, first Peter, second chapter, verse 21, for to this you've been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in his footsteps. Okay? God has given us an example so that we wouldn't just hear, but that we would do with our hands, with our feet, with our with our heart, that we would carry out the love that God's called us to, okay? Father, thank you that you've given us an example in the person of Jesus, that you didn't just give us, you know, as much as in this time it's nice to have an online video, but you didn't just phone in and answer like a Mount Sinai experience where people were afraid and they heard the thunder and the lightning, but you came and tabernacled with us in the person of Jesus and we will have access, we still have access to you through the Spirit, but in the future, we'll continue to have access to you in eternity through the Holy Spirit, I believe, as well as in the person of Jesus, to see that perfect human being, that perfect example for men and women the world over of what it is to be human, of what it is to be loving and free and just and submitted to the Father, and humble, and serving, and beautiful. Help us, Lord, once again, to take in our imagination, the image of all these different things, that in the natural world we don't think that someone can have great power as well as meekness. And yet in Jesus we know that he does, he did, and he always will. Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Help us, Lord Jesus, as we think about one thing maybe that we struggled with when it comes to humility this past week. Or maybe something right now that we're struggling with that requires some humility. Or something in the future, Lord, that's going to require us to be humble and serve another human being And realize that we are going to be blessed, not in our hearing, but in our doing. Help us, Father, to not be childlike, but to be Christlike. We pray that together in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. Thanks.